Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktana, and today we'll be discussing practical applications of karma and the basics of Akashic or spiritual contracts. In the West, there's a general sense karma is similar to our justice system. It's a way in which people who do good things, or make right choices, are rewarded, and those who make bad choices, or do bad things, or even just make mistakes, are punished. Unlike Christianity, which tells us we cannot understand the will of God in particular actions or situations, karma is seen as a means of understanding the universal system of balance. It's as if there were a universal Santa Claus keeping naughty and nice lists on every individual and orchestrating the choices of their next incarnation in order to give them their just rewards. While imagining these types of outcomes can be emotionally and even morally satisfying in the moment, such a system would be incredibly limited in its wisdom and would not promote the learning and becoming we hope each of us will achieve. To understand what karma is, and its application, let's take a look at all the components which factor into it. First, we're not required to live embodied lives. Each time we embody, we're making a conscious choice to be here. There are times, more often in the early phases of development, when it's efficacious for us to live serial incarnations in order to achieve a goal or gain wisdom in some aspect of self, and we therefore spend very little time in the Akashics between lives. However, most souls, if they're choosing to embody, are spending as much or more time in the Akashics than they do in an embodied life, and only come here for a specific purpose. Second, while the physical body causes us to forget who we truly are and our spiritual nature while embodied, the forgetfulness ends when the life ends. The transition into our natural state, which is well described in many near-death experiences, is our reintegration of the self we left behind with the one who just recently completed embodiment. Third, once we've returned to the Akashics, we go into seclusion with our teacher and do a full life review. With forgetfulness fallen away, with a reintegration into full-spectrum communication, which includes telepathy and telepathy, hearing others' thoughts and feeling others' feelings, we're able to review the life we have led not as a diary or movie which replays scenes, but with full cognizance of all the nuances, all the connections, all the effects of our actions, our choices, or lack thereof. We get the full picture in an immersive process that brings us enlightenment and wisdom, pulls the veil off our purpose, our successes, and our failures. At the end of this process, we know what our life meant for us, for others, and how it all fit in the grand scheme of things. So in thinking of karma, it's not meant to be some kind of universal punishment for deeds which we've done because the life review has already served this purpose, if there's any need for it. And the punishing is done without any need for an authority to force it upon us. 
we experience every hurt we have caused others, every fear and doubt that we spread. We can see the ramification of each lie, the negativity which proceeded from bullying and abuse, the moments when we didn't act and should have. We cry each tear, scream each scream, and feel with intensity the burning of despair in each person we have touched, even tangentially. We also feel each moment of joy, see each positive act, and get to see just how much we were a positive influence on people we didn't even notice in our lives. We see the glow of unbridled passion, the support we gave others in times of need, and the countless moments we made better just by being present. We can see, once we're outside the story, the overall happiness and goodness that was our life. So when we come into a new embodied life, karma isn't sprinkling it with landmines and other shoes to drop. There's no cosmic force looking at us as puppies who have piddled on the floor and pushing our nose into it. As it was said in Matrix Reloaded by the character Ramakandra, karma's a word, like love, a way of saying what I am here to do. I do not resent my karma. I'm grateful for it. Grateful for my wonderful wife, for my beautiful daughter, their gifts, and so I do what I must do to honor them. Each embodied life is something we choose. And we don't always choose a nice, easy, uncomplicated life because, to be honest, those types of lives don't teach us much. Being embodied takes a lot of work just in maintaining the body, let alone figuring out how to interact with the world around us and with each other. Why would we go through the trouble of all that just to cruise through without getting any benefit? It would be much simpler and more of a reward to stay in the Akashics. We choose to live an embodied life for our karma, our purpose. That purpose, in general, is to further our becoming and to help others do the same. There are as many ways to accomplish this as there are people, so there's no right or wrong way. Each life we have and each experience changes us, molds us, forms our perceptions, and informs our choices. Each life brings its wisdom to us, and from this we base our choices for the next life. So our karma from previous lives does help inform and create our karma for this life, not in a punitive way, but in a supportive and informative one. Therefore, to come into right relationship with the concept of karma, it should be seen as practical and not punitive. Karma is our purpose in this lifetime. It's the main goal for being here, which includes honoring our responsibilities, loving fully and unconditionally, doing what is right versus what is easy or fun, listening to our internal knowing, and doing what we have to in order to live our best and most authentic life. Karma is complicated and at the same time very simple. Striving to be the best you can in every moment and to be present for yourself and those you love is what it's all about. And this is eminently practical.
When we decide to enter into an embodied life, we do an enormous amount of pre-planning. Part of the planning process is agreeing to work with others for any number of reasons, including fulfilling roles, working through their karma or yours or both, bringing or receiving wisdom at just the right time, supporting and being supported in choosing to walk your path in this lifetime, etc. To formalize these agreements, we create contracts, but they don't resemble the contracts used in embodied life. In fact, they're designed to work in quite the opposite manner. Contracts in physical life here are documents which state the parties listed will perform certain tasks, not perform others, get punished if they don't fulfill the specified actions or goals in the required time frame, and possibly get rewarded if they overachieve. Each party signs the contract, and it's at that moment the contract starts being active and binding. Of course, people disagree about the facts of the contract, and organizations fail in their stated obligations, therefore filling the courts and supporting the local community by keeping lawyers and court officers employed. In the Akashics, contracts can be formed prior to or during an embodied life. Most people have literally hundreds of contracts they are party to from the moment of birth. These include agreements with their family of origin, friends they intend to meet, possible peers and co-workers, and soul group members who will be connecting with them further down the road, as well as potential intimate partners. These contracts are not required actions preordained by prior arrangement, but statements of intent dependent on a large number of if-thens. Each contract is formalized and then remains in potential, ready to be activated if-then. If both parties are in the right place, at the right time, in the right state, and agree to enter into what is described, then the contract will activate once they start doing what's listed. Once a contract is activated, until completion, the contract is a living document which updates as necessary due to decisions and actions made by each and all parties. Unlike a contract here, these contracts are not binding, and any party may end their interactions with it at any time. This is part of the nature of free will. No one is constrained by contracts in the Akashics, but they are responsible for their actions and will deal with the consequences both during this lifetime and afterwards upon life review. Unfortunately, most people forget this part of the equation once they've entered into an embodied life and forget that contracts even exist. Because of free will, the enormous amount of decisions each of us make every day, as well as how these decisions interact with everyone else around us in an infinitely complex system of interconnectivity, and the fact nothing is fated to happen, contracts are formed around possibilities and not fated eventualities. For example, 99% of the population has not one contract for the perfect soulmate, but dozens and dozens of contracts, each available to be activated should they and the other person meet and agree. Most contracts are never activated and are simply archived once the life is complete. 
those which are activated stay active until both parties agree the contract is complete. While a satisfactory end to the contract is stated in generalities within the contract, due to free will and the fact that the contract is a living document which can be altered and updated at any time, completion of a contract occurs when both parties sign it. Yet another way in which Akashic contracts differ from their physical cousins. This is why, when clients and students talk to me about difficult relationships, ones they need help ending or which seem to go on no matter what the person does, I look at the contract. If the person I'm working with hasn't signed, I explain to them how to do so and suggest they either do so during our appointment or at a later time of their convenience and comfort. The signature is not only a symbolic gesture, but a spiritual and physical boundary. This disconnects the organic energy cord existing between the two parties and signals to the other the relationship is at an end. Signing begins the natural ending process, or completes it if it's already begun, and puts the living document either into the archives as complete or into monitoring status for the archivist to manage until the time for archiving. Contracts are an integral part of spiritual life, allowing us to interact with each other in a healthy and positive way. They help us maintain our sovereignty through free will, while providing us a means to be vulnerable and explore the possibilities existence affords both here and in the Akashics. And that's all the time we have this week. Next time, we'll take a quick look at what a soulmate is and how we end up with our parents. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thanks. Bye.